you have your Bibles this morning, you can actually turn them to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to press pause on 2 Peter today, and we're going to be in Matthew 26, so I'll give you a minute to, to flip and find that. Uh, this also there's also a, an inflatable sea ray in front of the clock back there which means i could just preach all day there's there's no stopping me but if you see me look at my phone i'm not checking the sports scores i'm just looking at the time because uh, i can't see it back there but let's pray this morning uh, we're going to dig just straight into the gospel today of what jesus has done for us especially as we're gearing up for vacation bible school so let's pray and ask the lord to teach us this morning so father we just come to you and we're so grateful for what you've done uh, this story that we hold in our hands, this Bible, it's the book that tells us the history of, of how we failed, but how you came to rescue. And uh, Lord, that's not just a, a fun theme for Bible school. It's just the theme of you, that you have sought by your goodness and grace and mercy to rescue us. And so as we look at that, how you did that this morning, Lord, I pray that you would just bring us to a place again on our knees, asking for help and for you to save us. And that's the best place we could be. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible is, is very clear about how history has gone, and um, it's just so special when you think about how it could have gone, but God chose to do it a better way. You know, at the very beginning of the scriptures in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the very first verse. So cr he created it, and part of that creation was a man and a woman named Adam and Eve that he put into the Garden of Eden. And as they were there, there was a perfect relationship with God. They had a great relationship with God until the day the serpent, Satan, came in and tempted Adam and Eve uh, with that fruit. And it says that they defied God, they rebelled against him, and in, in, in that moment, they sinned by taking and eating of that fruit. And as a result, God had warned them that if they sinned, they would surely die. So as soon as they ate that fruit, sin entered into them. And the scripture says that as a result, everybody who comes from Adam and Eve, which would be all of us, we've all come from Adam and Eve. All of us also have that sin nature in us. When we come from our mother's womb, we already want to sin. We're, we're already headed to death. We know that about every baby that's born. As soon as they're born, they're going to die. And that's because of sin. It says in the scripture that as a result of that sin in our life, then we go about our lives. We do sin. There's things that we do. We could raise our hands and ask how many of you all lied. We don't need to. We've all done it. We could have you raise your hands and see how many of you have, have been greedy. We don't need to. We've all done it. We could ask all kinds of sins. Maybe, maybe it would be scattered if we talked about murder. Okay, I don't think anybody in here is murdered. But, uh, you know, we could say there's different kind of sins, but all of us have sinned. You've got your sin. I've got my sin. We all have this past, this record. And so this record sits against us. And the scripture says that this record is what keeps us now out of relationship with God, that he is holy. He has no sin. And yet we have sin. And so we we can't get into relationship because he can't have sinful people near him. But God didn't want that. He didn't want there to be separation between him and humans. And so the rest of the Bible is this story about how God went about rescuing his people. And it's interesting because he had chosen a way to do that by bringing a Messiah, a special person who was chosen to save us. But in the story leading up to that Messiah, he gives lots of pictures, lots of stories that illustrate how he was going to save us. So I briefly, because we're having the Lord's Supper today, want to touch into one of the stories from the Old Testament that is kind of a foreshadowing. It's a story of how he was going to save us. And that comes from Exodus chapter 12. In that context, what is happening is, 
the Jews, the people that God has chosen as a family to work through in order to bring about the Savior, the Messiah, the Jews have become slaves in Egypt. And while they're slaves, God raises up a man named Moses uh, who was going to go down and help the people of Israel and to bring them out and back to God. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. And several times Pharaoh says, I'm not letting them go. And so God brings one last plague upon the Egyptians. He says he's going to bring the death of all the firstborn in all the land. So if you have somebody in your family who's the firstborn, once that death angel came in, they would be no more the next day. God was going to wipe out all the firstborn from Pharaoh's family. He says, even down to the livestock, the firstborn, they're all going to die. But then he came to the people of Israel and said, now I'm going to protect you. And what I want you to do is every family, I want you to take a lamb and I want that family to to slaughter that lamb. And I want you to take its blood and with a paintbrush that's made out of the hyssop tree, the hyssop bush, I want you to take that one up. I want you to paint it over your doorways. And what's going to happen is that when that death angel comes in to, to wipe out all the firstborn, this awful plague that's going to happen when he comes to your door and he sees that blood that's covering your family, he will pass over your house. You will be protected. You will be spared. And so there came this holiday named Passover. And in Exodus chapter 12, it actually tells us about the Passover and what they're supposed to do. This comes from Exodus 12, verse 21. It says, then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. And then he says, you shall observe this rite, this ritual as a statute for you and your sons forever. And and, and when you come into the land that the Lord will give you, as he's promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. So the instruction was, because this had happened, Year after year, they were supposed to have a holiday. This holiday was called Passover, and they'd have a special meal where they would have this lamb, and it'd be recognized that that was a a symbol of the lamb that was given for the households to spare them. What God was doing was an amazing freedom for the Israelites out of Egypt, an amazing rescue to bring them to himself. But it wasn't just a story whereby they got a holiday. It was all actually a picture pointing forward to Jesus. Now, God's plan was always Jesus. God's plan was that he would send his son. God became man and Jesus was born. That's why we have Christmas time. And Jesus was born to Mary, the virgin. And he grew up and he grew into a man. And he he walked around the Jewish streets because he was Jewish. And and Jesus healed the blind. And he, he fed thousands of people miraculously. And he taught people wonderfully. But the best thing Jesus did was he was the Messiah, the Christ, the one who was chosen. He was the king that God had promised even to David that he would come and he would reign and he would save his people. It was the one that the Israelites were waiting for. And so here comes Jesus and and we're going to approach the story tonight about what he did with his disciples because 
We've heard about how there was this holiday that the disciples uh, celebrated every year called Passover. Well, the story that we're going to get into in Matthew 26 was them sitting down to this holiday meal. And today we're going to observe the exact same thing with our uh, supper here. That's very special for us to observe today. But in Matthew 26, Jesus has gone through all of his ministry. And that very night later on in the dark, people who don't like him are going to sneak into a garden. They're going to capture Jesus and they're going to arrest him. So this is going to happen just before Jesus gets arrested. Now, it says in Matthew 26 that they're starting to celebrate the Passover. It says in verse 20, when it was evening, Jesus reclined at table with the 12. So I just, I just want to set up this picture for a moment. This is a holiday. You usually try to eat holiday meals with people that you like, people that you enjoy, your family, your friends. And what is amazing about this is that it says that Jesus sat down that evening and he reclined at table. Those words that are used right there are something special. Because you only reclined at table with people that you were intimate with, people that you were friends with. And so think about that. This God who from the beginning, who had had all people, all humanity, including you and me, we are rebellious against him and all these people betrayed him. And yet when Jesus came, instead of sitting at a table and say, you're not good enough for me, what he said was, come to this table and recline with me. Let's have an intimate meal. And he says to him at one point, I call you friends. Isn't that the best when somebody calls you a friend? How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you had a, in your heart to raise your hand, how many of you have ever been lonely? Have you, how many of you have ever been just so discouraged? Some of you may have that right now. We just say, you know what? I'm here among friends, but there's just something. I just, I just feel lonely all the time. I feel like I don't, I'm not in with people. People are hard on me. They don't talk to me. I feel like they haven't called me. Uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't intentionally. Maybe that just happened, but you're kind of been in that place. Doesn't that feel awful? And yet God has made a way where you don't have to feel lonely because he would always be with you. And so he sits with these disciples. He reclines with them and he calls them friends. God wants to be with us all the time. He wants us to be in relationship. And so Jesus sits down. He reclines at table with these friends to have this Passover meal. And they had the meal. And now I want to skip down to verse 26. Verse 26, it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for, uh, poured out for, many, uh, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus sits down at this dinner, And they would have had this meal to remember what God did in the past. They would have had lamb. They would have had uh, unleavened bread. They would have had wine in the cups that were there. And they would have been going through. And the children, had they been there, they they would have said, hey, why are we celebrating with the lamb and the wine and the bread? And they would have said, well, because back in the day, God rescued us out of slavery and brought us to himself in the promised land. But now Jesus is taking those very same things. He's taking the bread and he's taking the wine. And now he says, we're not just talking about back in Egypt. Today, friends, I want to tell you something new. That this bread that I'm breaking, this is my body. And this cup that you take, this this wine, this juice that you're having from the grape, this is my blood. And what I love is in Matthew, it continues on there and says, why these things? For the forgiveness. 
for the forgiveness. That is the miracle of this whole story is because all 12 of the disciples sitting around with Jesus, even though he called them friends, they had all sinned against him and they would do it later on too. They would abandon him that night. They all sinned. Just like if, if we would go and, and we would take their places, we would sit around that table and God could look at us and say, you've all sinned. Why are you sitting here? But then he breaks his body and he spills his blood. and He says, I'm giving this to you. Why? Because I want to forgive you. You know that when you've ever done something wrong against somebody else, you feel awful, don't you? You've done something, you've sinned. And that's our place before God. Because we've sinned, we just we feel awful, we feel guilty. And so the Bible says what we do is we try to fix it ourselves. Maybe we try to go to church more. Maybe we try to pray more. Maybe we try to wear better clothes. Maybe we try to just be kinder to people. We try to do a bunch of stuff, but you know what the Bible says? By doing a bunch of stuff ourselves, that can't wash the ick of sin off us. That doesn't make God suddenly love us more. You know what makes us finally get the ick off us? To have our sin and have it taken away so that we're clean. Having the death taken away so that we can live forever. You know what Jesus says? I forgive you. I forgive you. And the moment somebody says, Lord, would you please forgive me? He says, I forgive you. And he takes your sin and all that record of everything you've ever done. He takes it off you. And the best thing about Jesus was the story goes on to say he got up from that meal. And he went out to a garden where he prayed and he was arrested there. And those soldiers took him and they they marched him to go on trial where he had never done anything wrong. He had never sinned. And yet they accused him of wrongdoing. And as a result, they said, we weren't going to crucify him. We're going to kill him. And so here's Jesus who had never done anything wrong. And he he's led away after they they whipped him and they beat him and they they stripped his clothes off him and they put a crown of thorns on his head, even though he had never done anything wrong. Why in the world were they destroying him? And they take Jesus and they. They take him up to this hill called Calvary and they they have this wooden cross and they take out big nails and they nail them into his hands and feet so he he can't even come off the cross and they raise his cross up and everybody can look up upon Jesus as he's lifted up on that cross. A cross that he didn't deserve. He had done nothing wrong. So why was he being killed? The scripture says, It was God's will to have him raised up and they're crushed like a grape. That his body would be shred. In fact, Isaiah chapter 52 says that his body was so shredded and mutilated from his torture that when people looked at him, he didn't even look like a man anymore. He looked like ground beef. Why? It's because the record that I had, all my sin, that's what I deserve. But Jesus said, you know what, I'll go there and I'll take his sin. I'll take his death. I'll do it in his place. The good thing about that is that when Jesus takes my sin, he took my sin and he put it on himself on the cross. And then he looks at me and he says, Jason, I forgive you. That's why he can forgive us. The payment was made. And the whole reason he did it over Passover was because that when Jesus blood was spilt on that cross, when you say, Lord, please forgive me, you know what he does? He washes you in his blood. And that's just like that lamb blood over the door so that when God looks at you, he will not destroy you. He won't take you and he won't send you to hell. 
You don't have to try to be good enough. He looks at you and he sees the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And when he comes at his judgment, when he comes to take and destroy those who are his enemies, he will look at you. And if you're saved by God, covered in Jesus' blood, he will look at you and he will not destroy you. He will pass over you. In fact, better than that, it says that he will take you and he will bring you home. If you're that one who's been lonely, if you're that one who's feeling like you just need a friend, God says, I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to be your friend for forever. Would you come home with me? Vacation Bible School, our theme is shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. And it's kind of the, the mentality of man, mankind that, that, that we are sailing our ship. Life is our ship and we get in it when we're born and we just sail and sail and we're just we're on an adventure and we love to just tell everybody, go explore, be an adventurer, study, get a good job, go on that boat. But the Bible says our soul as a result of sin, we're all shipwrecked. We're all just destitute on this lonely island and the only thing that's left for us is to die. But we're rescued by Jesus. That somehow Jesus, by his grace, has come and said, I don't I don't want you to die shipwrecked. I don't want you to be alone and desolate. I want to save you by my death that I did for you. And when I bring you into relationship, I want you to live for me. I want you to live in peace and freedom. I want you to live. Alive. The only way that can happen is with Jesus. You know, I've got a, a suit that I wear. I wear it when I do weddings. I wear it when I do funerals. And those are about the only times I wear the suit. And the suit, it's, it's, it's one of the odd pieces of my wardrobe because when I wear it, and man, there are some hot funerals outside where I'm sweating, it's bad, and that thing needs to be clean. When I look on the inside, there's a little tag that says this. It says, dry clean only. I hate that. You know why? I like the ability to take all my clothes when they're dirty. I want to go wash them myself. I wish I could take my suit that says dry clean only and I wish I could go and I could take that suit and I could throw it in the washer and then I could put it in the dryer or air dry it and it would just be fine. But what would happen to that suit that says dry clean only if I put it into the washer and the dryer? It would ruin it. It would shrink it. It would tear it. It would look all crinkled and ugly. It would be bad. It wouldn't fix anything. When the suit says dry clean only, what do I got to do? First of all, I asked my wife nicely to take it for me, but she takes it and she did. She she takes it to the dry cleaners and she drops it off and they they do what has to be done to get it clean. It's dry clean only. The scripture says this. That you, if you want to be clean, you can't try to do the washing yourself and nobody else can do it for you. You're Jesus clean only. The tag on your heart says the only way this can be cleaned and be fixed is by Jesus cleaning you. And he did that by shedding his blood and having his body crushed for us. The great story about Jesus is this, is that he died. But three days later, after he had been put in his tomb, three days later, by his power, he came back to life and resurrected. And the scripture says by the same power that he resurrected, if you ask for forgiveness today, that he will put in the power of that resurrection into your life, not in someday future, but today. Today. That when you need help today, he will work in your life with resurrected power. But there's also the promise that one day Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back and he's going to make this all new and he's going to come down and he's going to destroy his enemies, including anybody who has never called upon his name to be saved. He's going to destroy Satan, sin and death. It's all going to be done. But on that day that Jesus returns, it says also that he will come and he will resurrect those 
whom he has saved. And for those whom he saved, he won't take them and say, you know what? I actually see a lot of grime on you. To hell with you. You know what? I tried to save you, but you were just too dirty. Burn forever. It says, for those who are in Christ, he will look at you and say, by my blood, you're clean. Come home. You're going to live with me forever. And so that's what we're celebrating when we come here. Jesus was telling his disciples, this isn't about a story in the past. This is about you sitting at this table with me. And if, if you allow me to die for you, if you let me forgive you, oh, you're going to be clean. You're going to be taken out of slavery. You're going to be taken out of death. And you're going to be placed into a promised land of eternity with God. This relationship where he loves you and he'll satisfy you with good things. And so this morning, you may have heard that story of the gospel. And maybe you've heard it many times before. You know what? It's good to hear it again. You know why? Maybe tonight when you're at VBS and you're helping out with dinner or maybe uh, you're helping with the water slide and you're standing next to a parent who's never heard that story before. You can say, let me tell you about Jesus. Or maybe a child comes along and they don't know about him. You could say, let me, let me tell you how much God loves you. We need to hear that story because it's good for us and good for the message that we need to give. But maybe this morning you've, you've heard about God before and maybe you've, you've tried so many times to maybe do what's right or, or just not get into trouble or um, whatever it is. And you're like, but there's still, I still feel this problem. And now you've just heard the story of Jesus, how he died for you in your place. And you know what the Bible says is all that's needed for you to be saved by Jesus? is just to say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I ask you today to save me. So if today you've heard the story of Jesus and how good God has been, he could have left us destitute with Adam and Eve just to die. But he sought out to rescue us. He saw we were shipwrecked and he saw that we were Jesus clean only. And he wants to clean you today. So you need to take that garment of your heart and say, okay, clean me. Please clean me today. If, if you haven't called upon the Lord to be saved, make today your day. We don't know if you'll be alive tomorrow. We don't know if this world will be around tomorrow. Today may be the day that God's calling you to say, son, daughter. Let me save you. And if the Lord's tugging on your heart, then today you say, Lord, please save me. And I'm going to pray a little prayer right here and you're welcome to pray along with me and this is just us giving our hearts to the lord and if you've done that before just say lord just have my heart again today and if you've never done that before there's nothing you've got to do you don't got to sign a sheet of paper you got to come back next week you just right here now say lord please save me here's my heart so would you pray together with me god we are just so thankful that you have not left us just to die but you made a way to rescue us that you sent all the prophets to tell us about Jesus and that when Jesus came, he executed the plan perfectly and he died on that cross for us. And we're so thankful that even while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. And so we ask you right now to save us. As Jesus told his disciples, God, would you please forgive us? Would you bring us into relationship? You've told us you will, you will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus promised that he is with us to the very end of the age. And you've promised that if, if you forgive us and you've washed us clean, that you'll actually by your Holy Spirit come and live inside of us. And that that gives us this 
new resurrection that we live even now. And so, Lord, right now, we ask you to save us. Lord, we thank you for the power that only you have in order to do that. We thank you for what you've done in forgiving us. We thank you for helping us now to live in righteousness, to do things right, not because we're earning your love, but because we're just so grateful that you are so loving. And so, Lord, we give you this time as we we eat together as an opportunity to celebrate what you've done in the giving of your son Jesus as the sacrificial lamb for our sins. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.